You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers. Hook em up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. You had better. Get them up, get them going. It's uh, Hook them Up on Ian Rodby. It's a Wednesday edition. It drag you up over the hump Wednesday on a very cold morning in Austin, Texas and beyond. 35 in downtown Austin, freezing in some outer lying areas. And uh, it'll turn into a pretty warm day today, as a matter of fact, and warm into the weekend. And then some really cold temperatures coming into early next week. The first polar air of 2024 is on its way, but uh, should be a pretty nice weekend. But cold this morning so grab that uh, that extra layer grab that jacket as you get up and out uh, no wind this morning though but apparently supposed to kick back up to this afternoon as you get up and out on this the 10th of january and we appreciate you being there wherever you're finding us our five hour morning by morning conversation begins right now and uh, well, you might be joining us on 1019 fm appreciate the there also on am 1260 and always streaming for you the digital uh, way is or the best way right now, growing like crazy. Appreciate you sharing that. A Horn app, that's where you find us each and every day. Download us to your uh, smartphone, touch of a button. You've got five hours of Hook'em Up with Ian Rod V and all the shows here on the Horn on that uh, Horn app. Also at hornfm.com. It's going to be a lively five hours. A lot to do, a lot of Texas football developments, about Texas basketball with a gritty road win, road win last night. Much better than we saw on Saturday night at home against Texas Tech. We'll get you details there, how it all went down. Uh, also have... Uh, a lot of Texas football news to get to. College football upsets the story in college basketball last night. Busy night of college basketball. Number one and number two went down on the road. Uh, you know how conference play goes in college hoops in this time of year, as we'll uh, get you the details in the scoreboard there. Also got now six NFL coaches who have been uh, uh, shown the door. Pink slips, a maybe bit of a surprise in Tennessee yesterday. We'll get you details. Also, there are organizations looking to pilfer the Dallas Cowboys who are getting ready for their big showdown and wild card game with Green Bay on Sunday. We'll get you details of that. So five hours should be enough as we get you up and going on this 10th of January. Look who it is rolling in here to the uh, South Austin Onion Creek studio. He is uh, our shutdown corner five hours a day, five days a week out of the 713 and DB High down in Houston, Texas. Also right here uh, in the 512 at DBU, a lifetime Longhorn, four years in the NFL, now 16 great years on radio and in media in Central Texas and beyond. He is our uh, football theorist. He is Blackstradamus, the proud papa of Baby Monroe. What's up, uh, Rod Babers? Good morning, my friend. Uh, good morning, brother. I appreciate the intro as always and I appreciate the hospitality. Uh, can't wait to get to uh, all the uh, topics, especially the uh, wild card weekend uh, coming up yeah, for the Texans and for the Cowboys. Just 
third time, actually, that the Texans and the Cowboys have been in the postseason together. Uh, so exciting times for both of those teams. Uh, we'll also uh, get into uh, some of the uh, discussion on the 40 Acres, uh, some headlines for the Longhorns, some official declarations now for Longhorns headed to the NFL, uh, making it official. So we'll talk about that, too. Uh, before we get started, as we always do, we'd like to shout out to those who serve our society built on the selflessness of service to so all those out there who are uh, serving in any capacity, God, country, our community. Just want you to know that we are thinking about you, the soldiers, first responders, the teachers, the nurses. Can't name all of you. Can't name all the uh, different uh, ways that you serve, but just so we appreciate you and uh, shout out to all of those each and every morning. Well, as we tell you on the text line, which is always available to you, best way to communicate with us is on that message line, 512-447-3776. Uh, you can shout out a first responder or a, uh, a person who serves as all the uh, the schools are back in uh, session these That's days, right. right? Everybody back to school now the after the uh, holiday break. So uh, kiddos, teachers, administrators, everybody who shows up and serves and uh, helps teach our young people. Also, the uh, any first responder or uh, person in service to our community, we appreciate mm-hmm. that. You can shout them out at 512-447-3776 into the new year. It's a very, very busy. Wednesday in a busy time. Obviously, the end of college football came on Monday night. We recapped it yesterday and now into the offseason in earnest, uh, but plenty to talk about. It is still the uh, the portal season, the NFL draft season. I think the number I have right now for the Longhorns is as many as 23 to 25 players either headed to the NFL or in the transfer portal, and nine of those yeah. former Longhorns have already found new locations, new teams, new programs. Yeah. Get your details on that, but uh, it is certainly that time of year, Rod, the transition from one roster to another, right? A very veteran roster that won a Big 12 championship for Texas, played in the college football playoff and narrowly lost to Washington. But those players are moving on to the next phase of their careers. Special teams. Special teams. Special players and those special players are now headed to the NFL. That's to achieve and obviously, you know, try their best at uh, achieving their dream of, of playing in the NFL. But you're right, man. It's gonna be. It's gonna look like a different team. I mean, it's just gonna look like a different team with new leadership. But you know, yeah. there'll be familiar faces, right? You'll have the Quinn Ewers at court. Well, we think we'll have Quinn Ewers. You'll have Quinn Ewers at quarterback. Uh, no indications uh, the otherwise. The Quinn Ewers won't be back for a third season at Texas. Uh, the veteran offensive line, guys in the backfield that you know, and C.J. Baxter and. Uh, uh, Jaden Blue emerging, you know, those type of players. But, yes, uh, Jonathan Brooks, your leading rusher, your, your five leading pass catchers are all moving on. Uh, leadership in a lot of ways on defense. But as you've talked about, it's kind of a restructured, rebuilt defense that Texas is moving towards. But, man, a lot of new players because we know what uh, – we are on January the 10th. By next week, Rod, the – the, the 23 or 24 new Longhorns will be showing up here, right? Yep. And there could be more because the Longhorns are still hosting portal prospects. Uh, two last weekend, more coming this weekend. They're looking at wide receivers. They're looking at uh, defensive linemen to help replace Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and that depth up front. So uh, we will try to keep you as up-to-date as we can as things happen pretty quick. But, yes, that was a special team. They won the first championship, uh, Big 12 championship and conference championship for the Longhorns in uh, nearly 15 years. And um, the the hope is, if you're Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, that you're, you know, replacing those players with maybe even higher ceiling players, but yeah. they're unproven, Rod. They're just uh, unproven commodities. Yeah. And they, we know this group can, this coaches, this group of coaches can develop. So they just have to develop, uh, they have to expedite that development yes. of these young people. Because if not, there will be growing pains. I expect growing pains anyway, uh, but you don't want too many growing pains uh, in terms of the, there being uh, a regression on the 40 acres. So a lot of expectations. They way too early, way, way, way too early. Preseason polls have the Longhorns as a top three team. Yeah, top three to 
three team in the country. Three, I think four was the four that maybe six was the lowest. I yeah. seen them ranked out any of those way, way too early preseason polls. That's really high. Well, and really I, high. I, you know, you look at it and uh, you can project that because, but at the same time, what you can't project, Rod, is the the closeness, the culture. Uh, the chemistry of a team. Uh, also, you you know leadership. you can't you can't uh, leadership and, yeah. and experience. You can't yeah. coach experience. You just uh, you can have a lot of younger guys um, in key places, and that's why I think they're still very active in the transfer portal, looking to bring in some some players who have got experience at the college level, have some skins on the wall, uh, maybe you know 22, 20, 20, 20 years, 20, 21, 22 years old type yeah. players, um, and and to bring some depth to key positions because it's pretty clear, Rod, wide receiver. Defensive tackle, safety, and defensive back. Those those positions is a, is a complete overhaul. Yeah, uh, yeah with yeah. with new players and and you know completely new faces. Yeah, and we don't know about Jade Barron yet. Uh, he's still one of the ones that's up in the air, uncertain. He has not necessarily made it known what his decision is. So if he decides to declare for the NFL. Um, that I mean, you're gonna have between transfer portal and between guys leaving to go to the league, you have like eight DBs, defensive backs, defensive yeah. backs that are leaving total five. Five of those will be safeties. Oh. I mean, that's a that's, it just that's just a lot of bodies that are leaving. And I mean, you'll have three starters, three four starters in that group. So that's I mean, that's still losing some high end talent, your front line talent, but just losing the depth. You you're gonna replace those guys with a lot of talent from this recruiting class, which is great, but. I mean, they're going to be forced, like I said, expedite that development. We're forced to play those guys right away or to at least have them heavy in the rotation right away. All right, before we get to our top stories and the headlines, uh, once again, that text line, if you'd like to weigh in on any of the conversations of this Wednesday morning, 512-447-3776. Hit us up with that throughout the course of the morning. Love uh, hearing from you on uh, Hook'em Up with Ian Rod V. You're a big part of the program, big part of the conversation into uh, early January. Let's get to the headlines, trending topics and top stories. Top stories on a Wednesday brought to you by our friends at Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment in their brand-new location. Let's start with Texas basketball. Yeah, heck of a bounce-back win for the 25th-ranked Longhorns on the road last night at Cincinnati. Coming off their double-digit home loss to Texas Tech this past Saturday, Texas showed a much grittier effort in a hostile environment. Got a huge game from senior forward Dylan DeSue. He poured in a career 33 points. That kept the Horns in a back-and-forth game for the 40 minutes. Then with under 10 seconds left, the sharpshooter Max Aismas nailed a baseline 12-footer that gave the Longhorns a 7 74-73 win. We'll continue to, to grow from it, um, continue to understand the intensity we have to play with. Um, you know, the big thing was, um, you know, open up Big 12 play. We didn't, you know, we didn't get a victory. Um, so it was really watching that um, and then seeing how we were going to respond. Um, so we knew it was a big moment for us. And, um, you know, the guys responded right away, um, bringing the right intensity, you know, and playing a full, full 40 minutes. Certainly did last night. They get the win even in their record at 1-1. One and one. They'll be right back in that neck of the woods coming up on Saturday for another road showdown at West Virginia. Longhorns 12-3 and three on the year for Rodney Terry. 10th-ranked Texas women back in action tonight. They welcome TCU to the Moody Center for a 7 o'clock tip. Uh, Horns at uh, one loss on the year. That's all TCU, 14-2. and two. Should be a good matchup. Also in college hoops last night, number one and number two both went down in road upsets. Second-ranked Houston Cougars suffered their first loss of the year on the road at Iowa State, 57-53. In Lincoln, Nebraska, the Cornhuskers rolled past top-ranked Purdue, 88-72. If in Waco, was 14th-ranked Baylor rallying for an 81-72 win over 18th-ranked BYU. Also last night, Auburn topped A&M. 66-55. Uh, to Texas football, and it's now official. Wide receiver A.D. Mitchell will indeed forego his final season of eligibility to enter the 2024 NFL Draft. The Big 12's Newcomer of the Year revealed his intentions with a post on social media last night. He led the Longhorns with 11 receiving touchdowns this past season, was second on the squad in both receptions and yards behind Xavier Worthy, who's also 
headed the NFL since the end of the season. Ten now former Longhorns have declared for the NFL. Thirteen other Texas players have entered the transfer portal. Nine of those have already committed to new programs. Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns do have a veteran who's decided to return for a super senior season. Word last night that linebacker David Benda plans to use his COVID-19 year of eligibility and come back to Texas. Uh, NFL, bit of a surprise yesterday. Word that Mike Vrabel is out as Tennessee Titans head coach after six seasons. The team's owner cited the decision to move on from the 48-year-old former coach of the year as an effort to build, quote, a way more aligned and collaborative leadership atop the organization. There are now six teams looking for a new head coaches. A trio of those may be looking to Dallas for new leadership. According to reports, the Washington Commanders, L.A. Chargers, and Carolina Panthers have put in request to interview both Cowboys defense coordinator Dan Quinn for their head coaching position and the team's vice president of player personnel, Will McClay, for vacant general manager positions in those three places. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Did not see the Frable firing happening. That came out of nowhere. Apparently the owner, um, Amy Adams Strunk, she... But Adams' daughter. That's what I call her. Apparently she... They they just hired a new GM, right? Right. Like a year ago. They hired Rand Carthen. Yep. And the GM and Mike Vrabel apparently just could not get aligned and couldn't get on the same page. And there is a report that Mike Vrabel wanted a different GM, um, and, but, they, but she brought in Rand Carthen and that she signed with the GM. Apparently there, there's a bit of a split and a bit of a rift and that they just cannot figure it out. They cannot compromise and that she signed with the GM, even though Mike Vrabel was a proven Head coach. I mean, he's a proven good head coach in the NFL. Um, I think one of the things that they could not get aligned on was if they couldn't really figure out if they're rebuilding or if they're they're still going to try to compete. And, and because some of the moves that they've made say rebuilding, right? Some of the moves, like remember they traded their safety, uh, Kevin Byard. That says rebuilding. Drafting a quarterbacks early. That says okay, we're, we're rebuilding. They drafted, I think, a guard early. Um, but then they he said you should look at some of the other moves they made. Not trading Ryan Tannehill didn't make sense because that says okay. I not guess, trading Derrick Henry. Uh, not trading Derrick Henry that didn't make sense, right? So so it's uh, and, what, and and now that's maybe what we're seeing is a result of that that there were kind of mixed uh, you know mixed philosophies mixed uh, going on going on within an organization about where where that where they were headed and what the vision was and I think maybe Vrabel wanted to. You know, still compete and try to win now, and they, and I think maybe Carthen came in and said, "No, man, we need to rebuild. This roster is right now; it's not up to par yeah, at he, this point." He came in from San Francisco, where yes. he was in the front office of the 49ers and obviously has his his own philosophy. Uh, but I'll say this: Mike Vrabel will, will land a job. He'll land one of these quick. gigs pretty quick. And you know, you know who's already clamoring for him? I'll tell you this: uh, as Michigan wins the national championship Monday night, and now we're waiting on what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. Ohio State fans want to hire Mike Vrabel in Columbus and go ahead and dump Ryan Day and uh, bring in their own iron fist like Michael Lake, uh, Jim Harbaugh was, uh, bring Mike Vrabel back to Columbus where he, of course, starred as a defensive player at Ohio State. But obviously I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Ryan Day is firmly entrenched as the head coach yeah. at Ohio State, at least the fans. Uh, if you took a poll right now, we'd love to see Mike Vrabel. Uh, but he'll land somewhere. It, it kind of feels like whoever doesn't get Jim Harbaugh might turn to Mike Vrabel as a proven commodity because let's be fair about what's on the, on the market right now for coaches. There, there aren't a lot of proven commodities, right? I mean, yeah. And, and then the ones that are, you know, Jim Harbaugh's, that's why they're, you know, four or five teams that want to want to talk to the Michigan head coach. 
Um, but, you know, Dan Quinn would be the second most proven commodity. You know, Dan Quinn was a successful head coach in Atlanta. He took a team to a Super Bowl, and what he's done with the Cowboys' defense has been phenomenal over three seasons. So teams are going to want to talk to him. He's, he's one of the more proven leaders uh, and head coaches. Uh, the, the others are just, uh, you know, the, the, the next hot prospect and who that's going to be. But, you know, as we found out down in Houston, if you land the right one, like D'Amico Ryans was, you, uh, you land a guy that wants to be there, dream organization. Because look, with the Tennessee move, you know, and, and where Houston is right now, getting ready for a wild card game way ahead of schedule, they have a chance to take control of that division, Rod, uh, for, the, for the foreseeable future because Jacksonville seems to be a mess. They took a huge step back this year with Trevor Lawrence and collapsed down the stretch. They don't know how to win. Trevor Lawrence, you know, battled injuries, and I'm not sure what went on in Jacksonville this year. But uh, now Tennessee, you could argue, is fully in rebuild. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis is in a bit of a rebuild. Uh, you know, Houston. With well, at least Indy has their quarterback already. Yeah, yeah. Indy's. <clears throat> so Indy's. Indy's, Indy's kind of like Houston. They were. But they're already like in. in they're already halfway, not halfway through it, but they're a quarter way through, sure. a third way through it because they got the quarterback already through the rebuild. You're right, and so. But the other two, I'm not giving up on Jacksonville. They'll be back, but at the same time, Houston has a chance to take a big step forward and um, with, with C.J. Stroud and where they are, and really you know, assert themselves yeah. as the, the team to beat in that division That's year by year. That's urgency on Tennessee. They got to they gotta figure it out now because it looks like C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans have a window, and it's a five-year window, and they could, let's say, dominate the division, but they could be <laughs> all right, the leader of this division for a few years, and then you have to worry about Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence won't be down for long. I think Doug Peterson is a decent coach. I'm not really sure what happened there. I haven't really looked at and watched a ton of Jacksonville this year, uh, but I just think something went wrong. All those teams have their – and Indy, they have their quarterbacks. And I'm not sure if Tennessee has their quarterback. Maybe they do. Um, but Will Levis, yeah. I mean, they, they, they think he they is. They think he is, but that's a Vrabel guy. I'm not sure if – and that's the thing about it. I'm not sure if Carthen likes Will Levis. Uh, Carthen brought in all of his own assistant GMs and I think pretty much turned the organization – uh, against, not against, well, at least influence the organization to his side of things. Um, and then that, that's why I think Vrabel now, and remember the Vrabel style of play, which was bully ball. Derrick Henry with Ryan Tannehill. They trade, when they traded A.J. Brown, that was kind of the beginning of the end with his organization because that's when Vrabel turned against the front office. Right? Then they got rid of that GM, John Robinson. And then they, they brought in another GM. That GM was at odds with Vrabel because <laughs> Vrabel had kind of initially started to become more of a personnel guy. He's like, no, no, I need these players for my style of play, for the way I want to play. We got the biggest O-line in the league. We got the, the most formidable, biggest, you know, physical, physically dominant running back in the league and running game in the league. We got a certain style of play. And now I'm not sure they can play that style. And they're not really hitting on draft picks to play that kind of style. Well, and, yeah, they, they, it feels like that the uh, you know that team started to disintegrate when they traded A.J. Brown on draft night to the Philadelphia Eagles. That's exactly what I said. Uh, haven't been the same since. You're yeah. right about that. And the, the differing, you know, conflicting views and direction of the, of the organization. And yeah. we'll see. they we'll got to get aligned. They just don't. The front office and the head coach have not been aligned since then. Yeah. Since A.J. Brown was traded, they, they can't get aligned. And that was a while ago. Yeah, that was. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and different GMs, by the way. Yeah, and that's what the uh, – you know, the owner said in the move, it's an effort to build an aligning collaborative leadership atop the organization, yeah. which means the general manager gets to hire his coach. Essentially what Pretty that means. Much. Yeah, it's how do Oregon? Yeah. Right, come, every time I come around here, I got to deal with Vrabel. He, he don't like something you said. Or I come in here and I deal with Carlton, and he don't like something Vrabel said. Why can't y'all get along? Yeah. Why can't we all get along? Come on now. Yeah, which is, y'all again. professionals. 
Well, it's staying in that division with Houston. That's what's been good that uh, Nick Casario, you played the audio yesterday, Rod, the general manager and president in Houston, you know, went on Houston radio yesterday morning and shot down any thought that he's planning to go to New England or leave Houston. He wants to be there. He and D'Amico Ryans are aligned, even yeah. though, you know, um, you never know when those things, when a, when a new coach comes in with a general manager that's already there. Uh, that's gone very, very well. And uh, that organization, you know, feels like it's heading in a real you good direction. You know who's got to love this, man? I mean, Robert Kraft has got to be like, excellent. I mean, he's serious. I mean, is there, if Vrabel is it almost is a perfect fit for – unless he wants to go up to Harbaugh. But if Harbaugh is too sought after, I I can almost assure you that Vrabel would love to work on the Robert He might be Kraft. the natural and replacement. He's, right, he's moving on. At least you won't, have to, you won't have to disconnect too much from what you call the quote-unquote Patriot way. Um, because that's the guy that knows the bad parts of the Patriot way, the good parts of it. So you can take the good, get rid of the bad. You ain't got Tom Brady, but that's the guy that can build you a different culture uh, because he's a culture guy, build you a different culture there in New England. That seems like a natural transition. Honestly, I wouldn't doubt if that happens quickly. Well, and you quickly, know, quick, fast. Well, and you know who else could be? Re- I, I mean, I thought the same thing yesterday. That's why the, the surprise wasn't that they divorced in Tennessee. The, the surprise was, was they didn't you know, make somebody trade for Mike Vrabel if they wanted to get rid of him. Don't you think somebody would have, I mean, in this lack of proven commodities, Mike Vrabel is a former coach of the year. He had Tennessee as a top overall seed just a few years ago, number one seed in the AFC. Now they lost to Joe Burrow and the Bengals in the playoffs, but, you know, he built that team to be something pretty good, uh, pretty damn good. And uh, you, you wonder to the point of, you know, if you're, you know, if you're if you're in New England, well, now you can just hire Mike Vrabel. You don't have to give up anything to get him. Nope. You can you could even move my Bill Belichick into the front office in the new role, uh, potentially. If you're Robert Kraft, if you're shrewd about this, right? He's a former you know Belichick player. You feel like they could uh, work together. And you know who else Mike Vrabel could consider trying to bring back to work with is Arthur Smith, the now fired Atlanta coach, who was his offensive coordinator in Tennessee when he was yeah. at his high water mark in Tennessee. Uh, because what they need in in in, uh, in New England is a new culture, but they also need an offensive mind. Uh, that, that can can get that them. offense yeah. uh, into the next century. We know it didn't go well as a head coach in Atlanta with what they were doing, but you wonder, Mike Vrabel worked with Arthur, Arthur Smith in Tennessee. I mean, that could be, to your point of Robert Kraft, that could have just fallen right into his lap. Like, okay, what do I do with Belichick? And I'm not, I don't know that Bill Belichick would move into the front office. Maybe he wants to keep coaching to chase that, that Don Shula record, but at the same time, he might. He might get at his age in the 70s, consider being, you know, a part of it, or you you you. Make somebody trade for Bill Belichick, and you hire Mike Vrabel. Yeah, and uh, let him hire you know a guy like Arthur Smith or somebody because they have the third pick in the draft. Right, they're going to draft a quarterback, and then you want someone to cultivate said quarterback in New England and uh, usher in a new era of yeah. uh, the Patriot way. And you're right about that with hundred uh, percent with with Mike Vrabel being as seamless a transition oh, as you man. could possibly have. Um, that's not a complete outsider. Won Super Bowls with Bill Belichick. That would be very, very interesting. But, yes, I think Mike Vrabel will land pretty quickly. Oh, how about this? I did some research because <clears throat> you brought up a good point. Why didn't they trade him? Makes perfect sense, right? He's a great head coach. and Yeah, you would like think. Multiple teams in there. Oh, we'd love to have him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll take him right now. Yeah, what do you want for him? Because uh, you, you can get anything for him. I mean, not anything, but at least you can get something for him. Yeah. Um, uh, this is comes from uh, 104.5 The Zone. It was an appearance by uh, Adams uh, Strunk on there. Uh, she said, when well, she was asked about a trade, apparently, um, she said, yes, we thought about it, but at the end of the day, with league rules the way they are, it would have maybe put us back like three weeks, she said. Uh, honestly, to get the right head coach, I was not willing to go to get the back of the to get to the back of the line and take a chance of missing out on someone we really wanted. So basically, she's saying 
We want what if they must what know if who the they hire, want to talk to. Yeah, what if the candidate and the hire that, that they are being looking for that's the top of their list gets plucked and they're too busy negotiating a trade for Mike Vrabel and they miss out on their top well, that's choice. That's fair. That's so fair like, too. No, we wanted the slate. Well, that clean, means they know who so they want to talk go, to. We can go get our whoever our guy is. They have someone in mind. <laughs> well, uh, that Carthen has somebody in mind. Yeah, she's going right. to let Carthen, the GM, sure. hire his guy. And honestly, guys, I know it's weird. This he has a connection with Bobby Slog, and Bobby Slog is already getting head coach interviews um, from what the work he did with C.J. Stroud. I don't necessarily think that that's a route you should go because he is, you know, as inexperienced as he gets. He's his first year as a play caller. But he is getting head coach interviews with the Commanders and the Panthers already. And they work together all right, in San Francisco. I'm just throwing it out there. All right, the Texans might have to worry about that. He might get at least an interview. Yeah. Expect, uh, expect at least an interview. Well, as we've talked about it with Texas and Steve Sarkeesian, it's a good thing when teams want to interview your assistants. That yes. means you're doing things right. And uh, that's the point with the Texans is they are in a good place and the uh, other teams in their division uh, outside of Indianapolis are kind of scrambling. But as long as Jim Irsay owns the Colts, I still feel like he could screw that up at any minute. <laughs> Houston uh, seems to be in a, in a good alignment right now where they're headed. And as we told you, Houston not only in the playoffs, it, with a division championship, with maybe the rookie of the year on offense and defense, and maybe the coach of the year and the executive of the year, they also have the third most, most cap space in the league headed into the offseason. So they can fill needs and holes and uh, improve this team around a rookie quarterback, Rob, which is everybody, what everybody wants. Yeah. Uh, to have an under, you know, you know, quarterback who's going to overperform what you have to pay him for the next three years at least uh, with, with C.J. Stroud. So a lot of football to talk about. Let's uh, keep an eye on where Jim Harbaugh is headed, what New England's going to do with Bill Belichick. Still haven't heard anything from Chicago. Belichick with, and Vrabel are the same agent too. How about that? Ooh. Uh, still haven't heard anything from the Bears, what the uh, Bears plan to do. Uh, as we uh, uh, kind of speculated yesterday, could the Bears be waiting to talk to Jim Harbaugh to gauge interest? Yeah, what's, wait, what, the, what the hell are they waiting on? I don't know. Why well, they like Iberflus. They could like him. Well, that's what I said. I think if you kind of like Iberflus and you don't – but you don't want to necessarily fire him to, to get into this unknown category. But if Jim Harbaugh would have interest in your job – you'd move off of Matt Eberflus, right? If Jim Harbaugh wanted to be the, be the, be the oh, coach yeah. of the Bears, you'd move off of that, play, that coach. If he doesn't, if he's yep. more interested in the Vegas Raiders or the Chargers or somebody else, well, then you say, okay, we'll keep this guy. Yeah. No, we, and we may keep, we'll let, we'll, then we'll move forward. Because <laughs> they just, want Eberflus in control of that much of – basically in control of the future of the franchise to that extent because you're rebuilding and you got a chance to remake the franchise in one draft. Well, but that's what I'm saying, though. Without, if it's not Jim Harbaugh, then, you're, want, then, you're, like, then you're turned into an unproven commodity at that point for well, the most part. I mean, Matt Eberflus, I mean, has he done much <laughs> to, to prove anything that he's his worth as a coach? Has well, he well, done I'm just trying to, to explain it? why they haven't fired him yet. I'm just saying you may like him, but your like got nothing to do with productivity and wins. So my point is, can you upgrade? Could you upgrade? And yeah. I think they can upgrade. Why would you sit with someone you right now don't know if they're average or below average or mediocre? You have no idea. Yeah. Well, Why well, not go get somebody that you know can upgrade, even if it's Vrabel? Yeah. Well, like they, right now, I'd be like, no, no, I, I'm going to get the for sure thing that I know is an upgrade. Yeah, Vrabel would be a great fit in our, Chicago without right? a doubt. I, exactly, right? And so, I, I don't know, Chicago, I wouldn't – the Everfoos thing, that, you got you to gotta move on from that. I mean, has he, has he proven anything? Time he's been there, uh, it got better this year. And when and, and when they had, I mean, it wasn't all. It was a train wreck to start the year, and it got better as the year went on. But no, that's I'm dangerous. Not, that's dangerous, that's man. Dangerous. That's dangerous when you got that much draft capital, and you're the Chicago Bears, and you got a reputation for having trash quarterbacks. Period. No, and you have and, uh, this is the chance for you finally to hit it on a deep quarterback draft. You're gonna let you, you almost can't screw it up. 
But you have to, if you have the wrong system and the wrong culture and the wrong coach in place, you can't. Uh, the other big story in the coaching carousel world is the report from Adam Schefter yesterday that maybe uh, Mike Tomlin, when the season is over, of course, Pittsburgh plays at Buffalo on Sunday in a playoff game that maybe Tomlin is considering stepping away for a little bit, taking a year off, mm-hmm. uh, getting away from Pittsburgh. That's been a kind of a, of a toxic year where they had to fire the offensive coordinator, a lot of fan pressure, a lot of uh, – uh, and Mike Tomlin just wins. He just wins. And maybe that uh, Tomlin's considered doing in the uh, the old Sean Payton thing where he takes a year away. And what um, happened to Sean Payton after that? Yeah. Traded. Traded. Uh-huh. Traded. So it's like that. It's like when y'all take a break. That, that couple, you talk a break. You take a break. Usually you take a break ends up y'all going to break well, it up. Well, Tomlin wouldn't be taking a break to, to come back to Pittsburgh. He'd be taking a break to get away from it for a year and then reassess and land where he's going to land. But you, you'd have to trade for him. That's you what I'm saying. I, I think that I think that is a precursor. I think that's foreshadowing. If you're taking a break, you're going to be in a break it up. So just like Sean Payton, I think they're taking a break so I can I can like you said reevaluate, recalibrate. And say, All right, what do I want to do? What's next? And I think that'll be a trade. That which which would be, I mean, we don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers change coaches. Yeah. So even if they end up doing three in that, my life, that would, <laughs> right? Three. I'm 51. They've had three coaches in my life, <laughs> and they've all been Hall of Famers. Oh, they hit on all of them. Yeah, they have. It's a Green Bay's hoping with, with Jordan Love. They, yeah. they hit on all their quarterbacks, man. Unbelievable. All right, we're just getting warmed up. NFL Wild Card Weekend is here. We'll talk about Texas basketball. Longhorns get a big road win last night. Uh, Help that Cincinnati missed a bunch of free throws, but uh, you take a road win in the Big 12 uh, for sure. We'll also get into uh, behind the burn orange curtain. The latest uh, declaration coming from AD Mitchell last night. Also, David Benda going to come back. We'll talk about what that means. Also, we'll let you know where the Longhorns, as we mentioned, 13 into the portal. Nine have already found new places and new programs. We'll tell you where and and, uh, who's landed where of late. Get you the very latest behind the BOC as the Longhorns officially into their transition phase and the offseason. We'll get to all of it. It took them up with Ian Rodby on a Wednesday. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, busy Wednesday, uh, a lot going on in the uh, NFL circles. As we said, the 18 teams that aren't playing in the playoffs are trying to figure out their situations. A lot of coaching news and maneuvers. Mike uh, Vrabel out in Tennessee yesterday. That's now six and coaches uh, positions available. I'd also say, as I mentioned in the headlines, uh, three organizations are coming after the Cowboys with uh, the Commanders, the Chargers, and the Panthers all putting in requests to interview both Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, and Will McClay, who's done such a great job as the vice president of player personnel. Package deal. Yeah, maybe both. That'd be great if you want. That's, I think that's what some of them are looking for. Like, hey, man, can we get both deal? That'd be great. That would be great. <laughs> and look, as far as proven coaches go, I know Ty and I have a different opinion. I thought Dan Quinn did a nice job. Uh, in Atlanta, uh, he didn't win the Super Bowl, and yeah, it's one of the greatest choke jobs of all time. Up twenty-eight to three, and against the Patriots, and down in Houston, can't close the deal. Um, mm. Sure, he still keeps Dan Quinn up nights, and every you know, Kyle Shanahan up nights. Shanahan up nights. Too, yeah, yeah, I mean that's a game you got to close. But you know, you still put together an organization and a coaching staff and a roster that played in a Super Bowl and had a twenty-eight to three lead. Uh, that that says I, that says I, you've you've got. Uh, you know, the ability to evaluate coaching staff, players, build a build a culture, build a team. I mean, it's hard to make the Super Bowl. That's the Cowboys. No, I, I what I like about Dan Quinn, um, and you know, he's, he's he, as a coach, he's forty three and forty two, I believe, as a head coach, right? So, uh, he's five hundred. But this is what I like about Dan Quinn because when you hire a defensive coach, it's really important who their offensive coordinator is going to be, and it's not always you know got to be the, the the elite offensive mind or a brilliant offensive mind, even though Dan Quinn. Between Kyle Shanahan and Steve Sarkeesian, he's hired two really good offensive ones, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, they just got to be compatible with their style, their philosophy. 
um, as a head coach. And I think when you see the downfall of a defensive head coach usually, that's a big part of it is that they didn't choose the right offensive coordinator to complement their style of play. I mean, look at what's happened to Belichick. I mean, Belichick's defense is still pretty damn good. Offenses are terrible these days, and he just can't figure it out. Now, sometimes you just find the right quarterback, and it doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is, i.e., Belichick and the Patriots. You got to tell him, Brady, hey, put E. Hogan in there. Let him be the uh, quarterback coach slash coordinator. It don't matter because Tom Brady will figure it out. But it's a lot harder for the teams that you find that guy. But Dan Quinn, is, he did a good job of that, actually as a head coach, of hiring the right offensive coordinators. And that's what I, I, I said, I'm kind of trust that he would do. And he's a football theorist. He was on positionless football on defense way before anybody else was in the NFL. He was actually experimenting with it with the Atlanta Falcons. I believe he and Shannon had think tank sessions about it <laughs> offensively, uh, with what Shannon's doing right now with the 49ers. Nobody has an offense built around positionless football more than the, than the 49ers, right? That's they're the they're the foremost leader in positionless football on offense in the NFL with all their weapons. And Dan Quinn is the foremost leader in positionless football, pretty much on defense in the NFL. I don't think it's a coincidence they came from the same spot. I think those are think tank sessions that football theorists have about the future of the game and building rosters and experimenting at times with rosters and with player development to be able to achieve that. And I think he's taking it to the next level with the Cowboys. I think he'll take it to an even higher level when he gets a head coaching job. Uh, who he hires as his coordinator, I wouldn't doubt if he goes to the Shanahan tree. What uh, <laughs> I believe it's Dan Olowski calls the, the Mick Shanahan franchise of coaches where they just start, they just throw you know what I mean? Anybody on the shed hand coaching tree is like, all right, boom, that guy will be head coach. Whether it's a Sean McVay or it's a LaFleur or, hell, now Bobby Slow is getting a lot of love. But D'Amico Ryan's now, it seems like that, that Shanahan tree right now is easily the most uh, impactful. And it seems to be right now the most successful coaching tree in the league, well, no doubt. And I think that's where he would probably go, Dan Quinn. He would find him in one of those Shan the big Shanahan. Sure. Well, and guys. right when they were in the Super Bowl <laughs> and up twenty eight to three, it was he and <laughs> Kyle Shanahan, right? Yeah. And that was the best year for Matt, Matt Ryan. And he get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. One MVP that year. It aligns with his philosophy. Yeah, for sure, for sure, uh, without a doubt. And I think that would be – I think Dan Quinn's – and the other thing I I like about Dan Quinn is the players swear by him, right? That's that's a big part of being a – a head coach in the NFL or any level, you got to be able to lead. Yeah. You got to be able to rally people. Uh, you know, push push players, but also have their respect. And uh, the Cowboys players to a player on both sides of the ball love Dan Quinn, right? I mean, it's one of those. You know, that guy is a leader of men. I think that that would be something that uh, you're looking for in your organization. Yep. And if if you could add Will McClay to go with it, because if you talk to Cowboys fans and Cowboy folks who cover that team, the the key reason over the last eight ten years they've drafted so well, they've that's why they're, they're. I mean, they've developed they, their own talent. Is Will McClay has done a great job of running their their, their draft room, running their scouting department, and building draft boards and hitting on these draft picks over and over and over. Yep. Uh, that's that's what it takes to run to build an organization. If you were the Commanders or the Patriots or the Panthers, Chargers, and you could land both Quinn and Will McClay, obviously it'd be a big hit to the Cowboys. Uh, it would be a big boon to those organizations, in my opinion. I like Dan Quinn a lot. Yeah. Uh, but to your to the Cowboys' point, when the Cowboys play the Packers on Sunday afternoon, 
they're windows now, as we've talked about. They're, they they got a lot of big contracts to deal with here in this coming offseason. They've got uh, roster you know, issues, and they're already over the cap going into the offseason, Rod, with uh, deals to get done with Dak Prescott and uh, C.D. Lamb and Michael Parsons. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people woo. to pay. And you may lose your defensive coordinator who's done such a great job, possibly Will McClay. I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a good chance you're going to lose Dan Quinn here. I do too. He's, he, he, he's, and Dan Quinn has come back because he, he feels like there's a chance to win a Super Bowl in Dallas. Now, yeah. that's why I say the window is now. Every, pedal to the metal for the Dallas Cowboys. You're healthy. For the most part, your quarterback's playing great. You've got potentially two home games uh, here in the playoffs, which is good. Uh, you haven't lost at home in two years. So the uh, Cowboys have to capitalize on this right now in the NFC. Uh, all right, we'll talk more about the NFL and where it's going with Wild Card Weekend now a couple days out. Uh, we'll also get some uh, what the facts before the top of the hour. But right now it's time to talk some Texas football behind the burn orange curtain. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, A.D. made it official, official uh, with A.D. Mitchell with a letter in the Players' Tribune. It's actually a really nice letter to his daughter. It was actually a letter wrote to his daughter, and uh, he hinted in the letter that he was leaving, but he made it official uh, via his uh, Twitter account and his social media. At Mo City Mitch, because he's from H-Town, Mo City, uh, Georgia and Texas, thank you all for everything uh, for, I believe his daughter's name is Iceland. Um, but I could be, if I'm wrong about that, I apologize. Somebody hit us up and let me know. Uh, he said, uh, for Iceland, I'm most excited about what's next for both of us. Today, I am declaring for the NFL draft. Um, you can go check out the letter at the play, at Players' Tribune uh, in the Twitterverse. So that makes it official, official with Jay Witt and his farewell announcement. Uh, X-Man, of course, was the first one to throw it out there that he was leaving. And I'm with you. I throw, J- I throw JT Sanders in there when I'm talking about the receivers, too. I just It's hard not to. No, We're he just, was such a threat <laughs> in the passing game. Yeah, exactly. Right? And they, they lined him out. Uh, I would I, I got to go check out Pro Football, Pro Football Focus and see his alignments. But, man, he lined up out wide so much, and he lined up in the slot so much. They moved him around as much as any player moves and shifts in college football. So I just include him when you're talking about the passing game overall. And, honestly, Jay Brooks as a, as a receiver out of the backfield was big. I mean, Sark loves – Sark says the most – Sark says running backs in a passing game um, are one of the most underrated weapons uh, on offense that you could deploy and utilize because they usually end up with matchup advantages because it's usually a linebacker trying to cover that running back out of the backfield or they got some hybrid defensive end trying to cover a running back out of the backfield. Those are favorable matchups, and Sark will take those every, all day, every day, and twice on Sunday, and he does – and that's, so that's a lot of reception. So if you just include J.T. Sanders and Jay Brooks in with the three wide receivers that are gone, um, you're talking about 70, over 75% of your receptions, over 80% of your receiving yards, over 80% of your receiving touchdowns, gone. Right there. between Just between the, the, the three top receivers, and then we include J.T. Sanders and include Jay Brooks in there. So that's my concern is just the overall passing game next season. Um, not necessarily the, uh, the, the receivers themselves. I mean, that could be an issue overall. But like I said, J.T. Sanders included in that, uh, Jay Brooks leaving. It's overall the passing game where the passing game is going to be. Now, you're going to bring back Quinn Ewers in, uh, in the system for Sark in the, in the third year. So he's going to be a veteran quarterback. I think we all expect him to elevate 
exponentially <laughs> and take his game to a new level. Uh, we were doing the uh, the live stream last night on on Texas football, and and you know CJ Vogel made a great point. Actually, it was I believe somebody sent it to, uh, to CJ, but he made he, CJ is the one that revealed it to us. And it was a great point that you know the receiving core or those weapons I just mentioned they helped elevate Quinn this past season. And probably since Quinn's been here, they've been helping elevate him because those guys are such high-level NFL caliber guys. They got Sunday skill sets. Well, now with all these unproven commodities, as we've discussed, well, now it's time for Quinn, who's the veteran, who's got now the stable on the offensive line, four of your five offensive line returning. That's going to be a strength. So you shouldn't be – Really, you shouldn't be anxious, <laughs> all right? There shouldn't be fear about pass protection. Um, he should be able to get the ball out quickly because of his familiarity just with the system and knowing exactly where these receivers are supposed to be, where his outlets are uh, within the offense. And he should elevate these young, unproven receivers now instead of them having to elevate him. If that happens, then there's nothing to worry about. Well, I think that's why the, uh, the NFL advice and, you know, anybody that watched him, it would be come back for another year, more reps, Quinn. Quinn's got to become a second and third read quarterback, right? He's got to become a guy who can, you know, progress through and not just, you know, he was a one read quarterback coming in out of high school who didn't get money, didn't play a senior season, didn't play much as, as at Ohio State at all, and then comes here. So he's still developing as a QB. We know he's got the arm talent. We know he's got the ability. Yeah. But I think that's a really interesting way to put it and the right way to put it, it's that uh, the it talent is. around him helped elevate Quinn into what he was this year. It, this is a step forward year for Quinn, who, is, who has already said in the uh, post game of the loss to Washington, he talked about attacking the offseason. He's got to become more of a leader for this program, even more than he's already been. And, yes, he's got to elevate the receiving core yeah, because, uh, th- you know, last year we were having these conversations about the run game when B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson are leaving. Well, how do you replace 90% of your running back production? Who's going to do that? Well, Jay Brooks did. Jay Brooks stepped in and, uh, along with C.J. Baxter, and, you know, you just don't know those things until you know them because mm-hmm. somebody on the text line, we appreciate everybody yeah. weighing in. Uh, one person said that uh, that video that uh, – uh, A.D. Mitchell released on Players Tribune made me tear up. Made me tear up, which hey, is kind of sweet. They all got them. Jalen <laughs> Ford, Jay yeah. Witt, they're all sentimental, man. They're, they're, all, they're all tugging uh, at your heartstrings a little sure bit, are. man. But uh, somebody also <laughs> said, are the Longhorns in a position to rebuild or reload? That's and the question. I, and I think that's where we're, we're all in that question. Where is yeah. Texas as a program? Are they to the point where they're just going to be able to reload at those key positions? Uh, or are they kind of in between that, rebuild, reload? And I think it, it, it's incumbent upon the quarterback – uh, with this veteran offensive line and what should be a pretty good stable of running backs, Rod, to be able to give you a, a strong running game to lean on, uh, they've got to elevate the passing game. They've got to help elevate. Yeah. Quinn has got to elevate. And the O-line. And the O-line, 100%. It's them, yeah, it's, it would be a combination of them. With the, and I, I love what you said about Quinn coming back to prove that he can get deeper into progression reads with without becoming erratic, right, with, with sound, footwork, and mechanics as a quarterback. I think he's got to come back and prove he can make it through a season healthy. 100%. I think, I think that's that's really a big part of it for Quinn. I mean, that was a big part of it for Penix, right? It means it's proving he could make it through a season healthy. I think it's a big part of it. Just, and that that's that's changing your body, right? That's transforming your body in a sense. Maybe he's got to add some weight. Maybe not. I mean, we've seen him change his game even this season. He became a scrambler. Right? He actually added the scrambler added this legs. year. He added it. And we know Sark. Sark, he tells you all the time, we don't major in the run game. So I, I think even though he, he – I would say I don't know if Sark encouraged him to scramble, but he wasn't discouraged from it. Um, and so he kind of added that to his, his arsenal a little bit because he, he lost some weight and he got in better shape. Um, so whatever it takes for him to make it through a season, whether – and it may be him – 
deciding to slide more. Not taking on linebackers. <laughs> yeah. And be smarter in there's a decision making about you know, taking those kind of risks. But yeah, he's got I think that's a big part of it too. Making it through a season. Sometimes you gotta tough it out, like Penix. Yeah. Right? Apparently he was dealing with a rib injury the entire season. Like sometimes it's like, man, I just gotta play through and even though it's gonna make it's gonna make me uh less of a player, I'll be less effective, but I gotta find a way to be effective even with the because I'm hurt, but I'm not injured. It's not taking me out of the game. Yeah, well, and I think well, we saw some huge strides from Quinn this year, without oh, a doubt, right? No the, doubt. the haircut, the body's in a better place. He seemed uh, more mature, uh, took, took, took ownership of things. Leadership. Showed toughness and leadership. Yeah. You know, the injury was a, the injury to his throwing shoulder, so it's hard to play through that as a quarterback. No, no, no. no I'm, I'm not saying, saying that. Yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not saying you're yeah. saying I'm saying he did. But so yeah. this was – but you're right. He does have to, to take another step. That's what, yeah. that's what the, the, the growth of a quarterback's all about. Uh, and, you know, one of the reasons I think he runs is that he's still kind of a one-read quarterback, and then what Quinn and what Sark has convinced him of, okay, if you don't see that first read, instead of panicking, take off. Like, like because if they're dropping into coverage, read that. That's good. And, and that kind of went over, overlooked in the game against Washington. He did scramble for some pretty good yards. And oh, yeah, he, early he, on. You know, for, for first downs and uh, kept drives alive, and yeah. um, that, that, that's a good thing. Okay, now let's add the next component. And, uh, but as you're talking about and we have to be concerned about, he's, he's going to be doing it with young receivers. And uh, for the most part. Now, we'll see. They've added Matthew Golden from Houston. They're also talking to Silas Bolden from Oregon State, who was an explosive player for the Beavers last year. Uh, also, C.J. Daniels from Liberty, who's a you know, 22-year-old, fifth-year would be a fifth-year player. They're talking to him in the transfer portal to come in to join the likes of Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett, who are going to be young receivers. Uh, the, 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 the most explosive player of that group is Jonte Cook, right? Jonte Cook is the five-star from DeSoto who has that can't-miss ability. Yep. Uh, that's a guy you would hope. And then there's the, the new freshman crop coming in, headlined by Ryan Wingo uh, out of St. Louis. So there's, there's pieces, but you're right about uh, Quinn and, uh, and Sark. They have to, the, the, the quarterbacks have to elevate the receivers, uh, not what we saw last year where you have NFL receivers and tight ends that uh, can, can help you come along as a young quarterback. Yeah, basically no team can defend all your weapons. Yeah. Uh, this time teams may be defended, but it'll be easier because you just won't have you know those explosive, proven playmakers. But it's going to take some time uh, for that offense to really, I think, but I, get into the groove in the passing game. And I will say that uh, it's, it, with that said, and true, it does feel like you can, uh, you know, lean on a running game and an offensive line that should be even further should improved. Be. Now, you're headed to the should SEC, be. which is a different animal yeah. when it comes to lines of scrimmage. you got a game week two against Michigan. <laughs> uh, so uh, a lot. You, this is a transition year, without a doubt. You did something special this year and won a championship, something you haven't done uh, in, in more than a decade. Now can you build on that? And that's, that, that's going to be the, the narrative of this year. Are you a program that is to the point in year four with uh, the coaching continuity that you can begin that reload process, not rebuild process, because there is a difference. There is a sure. difference, yep. and the Longhorns hope they're there. We'll see. And that's where the addition of the transfer portal can really help bringing in some veteran players that you can lean on early as you kind of develop some younger guys, uh, some guys who have been there, done that. Uh, and as we talked about with, with Silas Bolden, Matthew Golden, and possibly C.J. Daniels, we'll see. I did see we're on three sports, did have a crystal ball prediction of C.J. Daniels from Liberty to Texas. Um, but uh, the Longhorns not the only – program recruiting him obviously as a veteran player all right uh, there's some behind the boc we'll talk about it we'll also uh, i did get word yesterday that it looks like Jalen catalan rod is going to follow um oh really follow casey kane to unlv oh with I, brandon marion i don't think that's been made official but Jalen wow. catalan from arkansas to texas i've heard unlv okay. uh, casey kane's going to unlv malik <laughs> murphy committed to duke of course mm -hmm. we know isaiah nayer is going to nebraska 
Uh, Sawyer Gorham Welsh is going to be going to Coastal Carolina now. Trill Carter to Auburn. Larry Turner Gooden, who came from California, Rod, uh, originally out of high school, he's committed to San Jose State. So he's going back to the West Coast. And then B.J. Allen and Xavion Bryce, both um, Metroplex area kids are, have committed to North Texas. North Texas. So nothing yet. Uh, yeah, I know. I guess it's still early for Jaron Thompson and, and – Right, yeah, they just entered Keaton the portal. Bro, the undecided the players so far, yeah. Keaton Crawford, Jaron Thompson, Christopher Ross. They just entered. And Charles Wright. They just went in like last week. Yeah, though. Charles Wright. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're just in. I so. imagine Jaron Thompson, he's got so much film out there. I imagine Jaron Thompson will find a home. I do, too. Though. I do, too. We'll keep you posted yeah. as they happen here and behind the BOC. But you have the 13 that are into the portal. Uh, nine have already found That's good. new spots. That's four good news. Uh, still looking at this point, and we'll keep you posted. We'll come back. When we do, we'll get some what the facts from around the sports landscape. Also, more on the NFL's playoffs and the coaching carousel. Your thoughts on the Longhorns. Is it a rebuild or a reload for the Longhorns into year four coming off a Big 12 championship? It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Cold Wednesday morning. Temperatures uh, hovering around freezing this morning. It is freezing, actually, in some of the outer lying areas. And uh, we got a hard freeze coming, Rod, early next week. You know, uh, MLK Day is Monday. I'm not not looking forward to that at all. But you know what? Good news in that... uh, Earlier forecast showed that maybe some precipitation on Sunday so, to Monday. So no freezing rain? No, it looks like a dry situation, okay. which All is right. good. I like dry freeze. That's good. But how about this on Monday morning, Rod, which would be Sunday night into Monday morning yeah. while we're wrapping up uh, NFL Wild Card Weekend. No, no, actually we'll be wrapping it up on Monday night with a Monday night football playoff game. But uh, Sunday into Monday, low temperature of 22 degrees with high winds, it says here. High winds on Monday. And then Tuesday, a low of 18. 18. Mm. But uh, and then 25 on Wednesday. So uh, get out to see our friends at Callahan's General Store to get your pipes wrapped and uh, right. spigot drips and everything you need because it's coming. Get ready. Right into the MLK Day holiday on Monday and uh, playoff football oh, just man. in time for that. Because that and Kansas City Miami game <sighs> is trending toward being the coldest game played at Arrowhead and the coldest game the Dolphins have ever played in. Yeah, we told you that on Monday. <laughs> we crazy. were we got tipped off on that on one of our oh, meteorologist texters who said, Hey, let's check out the forecast. That's and that's crazy. A, that's the Miami Dolphins. Um, oh, they, they who are a warm weather South Beach team playing in I mean, we've seen Tom Brady and the Patriots play cold-weather games there uh, in Arrowhead, uh, and, and they're yeah, a New England they're team. New England. Yeah, they're New England. They're, 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 they're used to that. Team, but this Miami? Is, two is a whole, an Islander. Yeah. <laughs> to do it unlike this. Do it like this. <laughs> the Miami, Miami Dolphins, traditionally, they just they don't play well. Um, the Dolphins, you go look at it in cold-weather games, and we start talking about sub-40. This is – this is, this is a different kind of cold. No, this is this, this is, is like freezing. Below freezing. This is free, yeah, below, below zero. Yeah, this is free freezing. Uh, sub zero temperatures since 2017. Dolphins 0 and 9 in sub 40 degree games, and 2 and 7 against the spread in those situations. Yeah, man, they're in trouble. Uh, I would, yeah, they're in trouble. But I would say Kansas City receivers. I don't trust them in that cold either. So I would, they would, if it's gonna be Kansas City running the football and basically Travis, the Travis Kelsey show, I don't know if Taylor Swift's gonna be there, but it's gonna be on Peacock. So yeah, you gotta check it out. Yeah, you gotta have it on Peacock. Got it on and, Peacock. And it's a fact now in our what the fact segment. People are mad about that. The old heads out there are angry, angry about it. Uh, look, this is this is you know this is streaming it's, services paying big dollars to right? get just this. This is just the beginning, guys. Yeah, get ready. They're only gonna get more. <laughs> get off my lawn, guy. Is not happy about the Peacock thing. I'm not happy about it because I don't have to. Down- I don't have Peacock yet. 
I'm going to have to get it. Um, can't you get like a uh, – I got to see if you can get like I'll get a maybe a month free trial. Yeah, get like a free trial or something. <laughs> They'll lock me into they're, something. They're probably but... getting a lot of that. But, yeah, I mean, I already have it because, like I said, if you want the trash TV shows, that's – if you like trash TV and my wife does, Peacock yeah, and apparently your, if you watch uh, the European Premier League – uh, oh, that's one of them too. That's, you got to have Peacock, okay, yeah, there you go. for the yeah. soccer, yeah. Uh, the football out there. Football um, and trash but I'm going to give this what the fact, Rod, and you gave it yesterday, and it uh, speaks to the Cowboys game with the Packers on Sunday. You gave great numbers on the Packers and why the Cowboys shouldn't overlook the Packers. Uh, they've been playing some really good football of late and have beaten some good teams here in the last month, couple months. Bryce, uh, you know, Jordan loves playing good football. He's playing good football. But you gave this stat yesterday, and it's just preposterous that Micah Parsons. And his 14 sacks and the impact he's had on the year has not drawn a holding call since two weeks before Halloween. It's unbelievable. Two weeks before Halloween. Yeah, simple strategy. Just hold Michael Parsons. <laughs> just hold him. I, I would tell my offensive lineman, listen, we're going to hold him until they call. And when they call one, we'll stop it. Yeah. All right? But then until they, until they call it, hold him. I would, I would, if I was Matt LaFleur, I would straight up tell my offensive lineman. Honestly, and I wouldn't be afraid to admit it in the postgame. We're like, yeah. I'm, I'm a, listen, I pay attention to trends and patterns, okay? That's what we do. And I have statisticians and I have data analysts and data science telling me that they haven't called a holding penalty on this guy in 11 weeks. You know what? Hold them. That makes perfect sense. So we held them, and if they didn't call it or they called it one time, and when they called it, I told my guys, hey, y'all need to adjust well, your technique. Don't hold them anymore. And by the way, offensive linemen, they hold on every damn play. For the okay? most part, yeah. <laughs> all, all teaching offensive linemen technique is teaching them how to hold without getting with – their, with their hands inside and without getting caught. That's great technique for an offensive lineman pretty much. Yeah. They hold all the time. They do. Yes. But and- it's okay. And because, look, and even offensive linemen will tell you this, especially on the interior, they're the they're the worst athletes on the field, trying to block the best athletes on the field in a lot of regards, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the biggest, fastest dudes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they got to hold a little bit. But for Micah Parsons, who's, you know, uh, is good a pass rusher and is dominant a player to not have a, in 11 weeks, you're right. I mean, you're exactly right. Uh, I'm saying it because you said it yesterday and it needs to be mm-hmm. said And because Micah Parsons comes out and says it and he sounds like he's bellyaching. Same time, he's yeah. right. He's dead right. And honestly, it's it's on Mike McCarthy. Sometimes you got to take that. Jerry Jones will take that fine. He don't care. You need to take that fine and make it. A, you need to make it a topic. It's not a big enough topic, and that's on Mike McCarthy, and that's on the Cowboys. They need to make this a big topic. They need to bring it up. Jerry Jones needs to talk about it on 105.3. I know the NFL don't like it, and they may fine you, but that fine will be worth it. Because you need it to be out there. What happened when the Kansas City Chief, when they started talking about the offsides penalties? Oh. And how many offsides penalties happened after that Kansas City Chiefs game because it became a big issue? They were talking about it. Trust me, these these referees and officials in the NFL they hear they hear what's going on. They're human and beings. And sometimes the tail can wag the dog. So if I'm the Cowboys, I make a big issue out of it. But if I'm Matt Lafleur, I say we hold, baby, we hold them on every play. He had one pressure against the Cowboys last time the Packers played him. One, the best pass rusher in the NFL. One, and they lead the NFL in pressures. Come on, man. Off. It was like the Longhorns uh, last couple of years in the Big 12. They exactly. would lead the conference in pressures, but the fewest holding calls. Like, how is that even possible? <laughs> with the two, with the best interior best line. pressure rate yeah. in, the, in the conference, <laughs> yeah. fewest holding calls allowed, and, and right, offensive linemen hold on every play. Something's not, Add something's all that not, up. Something's not right. Something's out. Yeah, there you go. Agreed. Also on a What the Facts, Eric Spolstra of Miami Heat Rod gets a new eight-year, $120 million uh, extension for them from the organization. That's the most committed coaching money in NBA history, $120 million to a coach. Straight cash, homie. Because the NBA, they fire coaches who win coach of the year the year before. You know what I mean? Yeah. They right. <laughs> don't give a damn. Yeah, they, hey, because if a superstar don't like you, you got to go. 
And how, how good you are, but not with the Miami Heat. And credit to Eric Spolster, who started working for the Heat organization in 1995 as a video coordinator. And didn't he, wasn't he hooking up with a cheerleader? Like, wasn't that like his woman for a while? I don't know if they're together anymore. You don't remember that? Video coordinator can't hook up with the cheerleader? I know no. the team can't. No, I, once he was a coach, I want to say he snagged the cheerleader. Like, on the team was like, hey, you know what? You're pretty good. Then we go look that story up. Mad skills. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll be back. Longhorn Hoops with a dramatic win last night. We'll get you details. Also, upsets all over college basketball and the Longhorns in transition. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. And our experts will guide. 